And uh, I'm going to read a little longer than I, my normal opening scripture this morning. But this is the scripture that we're going to spend some time in and break down today. Um, Ephesians 1, 15 through 21 says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance of it in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power, dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. There's a whole lot going on in that scripture. And you can tell that is not a subtle, now I lay me down to sleep kind of scripture. That is a very powerful statement. We're going to spend some time in that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege that we have to come here and to sit here, Lord, freely before you and to worship you today and to honor what you've done, Jesus, on your cross. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to spend this time honoring and worshiping you and receiving from you. And right now, we pray, Lord, let each one of our hearts be open to the word of the Lord. Lord, speak to our hearts. I thank you for your great ability to speak to every single one of us. Lord, I ask for the leading and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Lord, sharing your word is such a privilege, but I pray, Lord, what's in your heart be imparted today. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for our brothers and sisters who are gathered here today. Lord, we don't take our time lightly this morning, but we honor you with it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, this the scripture, Ephesians, do you all know that it, it originated as a letter? So when you're reading Ephesians, you're actually reading somebody else's mail, but you're legally allowed to read this mail. Um, it's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he tells them in this letter that he's writing them that he prays for them. And he's and he's um, and we're going to look at how he's praying for them. And when I was preparing this, I thought, you know, I think about the fact that I, you know, not I pray for y'all. I pray for you guys as a church. And uh, many times I find myself praying God's covering and protection over you, his authority over you. I find myself praying that that the tactics of the enemy would not be able to undermine us or our families. And uh, I pray that the Lord will even give us wisdom as to what the enemy tries to do to undermine us. And I love this prayer that Paul is praying, uh, that he's sharing with them. He's basically saying, this is how I pray for you. And he prays that, they, that the Father would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Would you say wisdom? Wisdom. He would give them the spirit of wisdom. He's, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's actually kind of a normal Jewish way of describing the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who can give us wisdom and give us revelation. And, of course, revelation is, is not just knowledge. Revelation is that aha knowledge. 
that when something connects and you go, that's it. And you realize, as I often do, I'm like, that's smarter than me. That's wiser than me. It's somehow simple and profound all at once. It's the Holy Spirit who brings this revelation to us. And, of course, we know it's the Holy Spirit who breathed and spoke to these writers to write Scripture for us and inspired it for us. And so when we even read the Bible, we often listen for the author. We listen to and listen for the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, make this not just text and letters, but let it be life to me and let me receive not just what it says, but what you are trying to impart to me and what you're trying to speak to me. And the Holy Spirit is really good at doing those kind of things. And if you're not familiar with that, don't be intimidated by it because the Holy Spirit has been speaking to people, speaking through people, revealing God to people for centuries. He's really good at it. You don't have to worry about your ability. You just have to trust his ability. And today, I want to show you these three things in Scripture that when Paul said, I'm praying for you to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he shares three things that he hopes that his readers will receive and understand. The first one is he says he prays that they would know him better. Not Paul but the Lord, that they would know him better. And, of course, who better to reveal God to us than the Holy Spirit, who is God, right? That he would reveal himself. But I find it kind of interesting that he's writing to a church. He's writing to people who already believe. Now, this might be something that you would think somebody would write to someone who doesn't believe. I pray that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know he would exist, so that you would know him better. But he's actually saying to people who already believe that you would know him better. There's a real nugget in there for us. Because no matter how long you have walked with the Lord, no matter what you've known or not known of the Lord, there is more to know and experience of him. Not because he's changing, but because there's so much to the Lord and so much that he wants to show us. Sometimes he even wants to go back and show us what he showed us before. Y'all, I don't know if y'all are like me, but I leak. I leak information. I leak revelation. And sometimes the Lord will say something to me that he said to me in the past. I'm like, right. I had to learn it again. I needed to receive it again. I needed it to be fresh again. I think one of the greatest things that the Lord reveals to us is his love for us. Where it says that God is love. And I think when you really know him and when you really pursue him and you really uh, have him just reveal himself to you, the more you realize how much he really loves you. I think sometimes people will avoid pursuing and wanting to know the Lord because of their fear of him. We're going to talk about the fear of the Lord a little bit later, but the fear of the Lord is not meant to be something that drives you away from him by any means. But the Lord wants you to be drawn to him and to know this relentless love that he has for you. It is his love that compelled him to go to the cross it's his love that compelled the lord to pursue us it, the motivation behind what he's doing is love there's another scripture that the same author the apostle paul writes 
in, in Philippians chapter 3. And this, this scripture has always made a great impact on me because I think about who's writing it. He's writing about his own, himself, and he's, a, he's an apostle. I mean, he's special. And he knows the Lord. And he has done miracles on behalf of the Lord. And he is telling people about the Lord. The Holy Spirit's filling him to, to write scripture and things like that. I mean, this guy is, he's all right, right? And this is what he writes about his own relationship with God in Philippians 3. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Does that remind you of about three weeks ago's message about being grace, right? The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, here's where he really digs in. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. But Paul, I thought you knew Christ. This desire and this passion, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings. A lot of us just kind of skip over that part. Because becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I love his passion and his desire. And I'm thinking if the Apostle Paul is saying, I want to know Jesus, then I should have that same burning passion inside of me. It says there's more to know of him, more to know about him. Not that he's going to change, but there's more to know of him. I want to know his power. We're going to come back to that later because it's in the prayer from Ephesians that we're studying today. Um, He says, I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to give you just a a way of understanding what he's talking about. He's not talking about, I just like to suffer for suffering's sake. He's not saying, you know, I'm going to cut myself and I'm going to hurt myself. It's not that kind of suffering. But he recognizes that in sharing the gospel and bringing the kingdom uh, of light into the kingdom of darkness, that there's, there's these battles that go on and there is some suffering that happens on those front lines. And he's known it. He's known what it is to be beaten. He's known what it is to be in jail. He's going to end up giving his life for Jesus. His suffering was for the purpose of the gospel. It wasn't kind of this, well, I'm just going to get sick and feel bad and just glory in my suffering. I'm going to, you know, just, you know, uh, do bad things with my finances so that I can know what it is to suffer. He's not talking about that. He's talking about suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. And he feels like it's a privilege. As a matter of fact, the early church fathers, they, they felt like one of the greatest privileges that you could have was to die for the name of Jesus. That's where his heart and his attitude is. I just, I think when I look at that and, you know, I think all of us, we go through cycles in our lives. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's sometimes you can get focused on your own needs rather than the one that you're serving. And your own life and your own realm. But this desire to know him. And it's not just knowing, it's not knowing about him. It's knowing him. There's a difference. We're not studying a character that doesn't live anymore. We're not, we're not studying something that doesn't impact our lives. We're not studying someone that we can't know and relate to. We are searching and seeking and following after a God who speaks to us today. 
by his Holy Spirit. And there's more to know. And I just want to encourage you to be very sincere in your approach and say, God, I want to know you. Just want to know you more. Help me to see you in my day. Help me to see what you want me to see today. If there's an opportunity today, if somebody that you want to touch, Lord, fill me with your love, your Holy Spirit, and your boldness to just be a vessel for you today. It's one of my favorite ways of knowing the Lord is watching him touch other people. Because I'm like, God, your heart and your love for people is so amazing. And you love them, and I know you love me just like that too. I just want to encourage you, if If Paul can write to this whole church and say, listen, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give you this wisdom and this revelation to know him, to know him. It's really a fixed game. If the Holy Spirit is the one who is revealing so that you can know him better, who better than himself to make himself known to you? Amen. He goes on and he prays. He says, To know the hope, this is in verse 18, to know the hope, would you say the word hope? Hope. Now, y'all, hope in the Bible, you got to remember, is not wishing. Like, I hope to win the lottery. That's not, that was like the best joke I had today. (laughs) Anyhow, it's not wishful thinking hope, it's expectation hope. I have this hope. It's an expectation that it's going to happen. It says, to know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And what the Bible is referring to here is this inheritance of heaven and eternal life in him. That he's saying, I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you this revelation of this eternity That has been prepared before you an eternity to know and walk with the Lord an eternity in heaven with the Lord as opposed to apart from the Lord in hell. We want to have this amazing inheritance. And if he's saying, I want you to have a revelation of this inheritance, a revelation of this hope, it's because that hope and that expectation of what's to come informs how you live today. Y'all, you know, some of us were in the practical things of life, and I think we should be, of like retirement, right? And making sure that you can uh, be okay when you're older and things like that. For some of y'all, I'm bringing conviction upon you. We'll just stay with the message right now, okay? But we think about these temporal things, and we should, because like we talked about last week, the natural and the spiritual, God has called us to live in the natural and to live in the supernatural, and the supernatural uh, has dominion over the natural, but there's this synthesis that happens, right? We're not to live in just one or the other, but God brings them together, right? This concept of this inheritance that you have, I got to tell you all, Good news for those of you who aren't preparing for your earthly retirement. The kingdom retirement is real good. It's real good. I love how Jesus says that he goes to prepare a place for us. In his father's house, there's many rooms. There's this this place in eternity. And that should give us a settledness. And arrest. It says in Ephesians that the Lord gives us a deposit of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the inheritance to come. Isn't that cool? 
Do you know what that means? Is It means that because of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's supposed to bring this settledness about eternity. This kind of, there's a place for me with the Lord. It's supposed to be a, a comforting thing, a, a settling thing, even an emboldening thing. You know, like when Paul says he rejoices in his sufferings, I think part of it was he's like, man, this is all short term. Some of the stuff and the trials and the things that I'm going through, I got the Holy Ghost in me and what I have in heaven is really good for me. I'm going to get through this. Heaven's forever. Just a settledness and emboldening that happens. The other thing that it gives us, and it's a paradox, a settledness and an emboldening, but in the same regard, it gives us a fear of the Lord. Now, the appropriate kind of fear of the Lord, because we recognize that when we check into heaven, and I don't know if they you know, actually have Peter at the gate. I don't think that's in the Bible. But when they're checking in, by the way, I've got to tell Chuck's joke just for a minute. This guy shows up to heaven. He shared this with the worship team the other night. Guy shows up to heaven and he says, um, yeah, yeah, will you look me up? And he gives him the name. He goes, I'm not seeing you. He goes, no, 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 I'm sure I'm in there. He goes, no, I, I don't see you. He goes, well, he goes, Have you, did you do anything good? We know that works don't save us, right? This is a joke. He said, did you do anything good? He goes, yeah. As a matter of fact, like there was a lady on the side of the road and these guys were beating her up and I got in the middle of it and I just started, you know, protecting this lady. And he goes, Guys looking up. When was that? He goes, about three minutes ago. <laughs> That's how he got to heaven. Anyhow, it's a good joke, Chuck. We like that. We like that. I think that, where's Ted? You need to add that to your repertoire. Ted's got just a few right there that are just really good ones. He just plays those ones on repeat because they're good. Um, a healthy fear of the Lord is this thing that makes you recognize that I do give an account when I go to heaven. Now, catch me here. A few weeks ago, we talked about saved by grace, and we followed it up the next week with obedience. And we talked about we don't want to mix those, those buckets because the reality is the only thing that saves you, the only thing that brings you to heaven is your trust in Jesus, and he does the work of covering your sins and giving you new life. You can't improve upon that system, right? When we go to heaven, the way we get in, if you will, is because of Jesus, Period. But scripture also talks about that we will answer for our lives. That is a healthy fear of the Lord. And when we answer for our lives, the the best way to think about it is you are a steward of your life, meaning that you have been given a trust to manage this thing and you will report back to the one who gave it to you. Now, you can you can live with this with a fear of the Lord that just makes you kind of shake and quiver. Or you can live with this with a fear of the Lord, a respect that says, God, um, I, want to, I want to use this as you would have me. And so I present it back to you. Now you lead and guide me. And what's great is the Lord is very motivated to do that. When you put your life in his hands, he says, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and he takes it from there. It's just a yielding back to him what he's given for you. I love how, again, in Ephesians, it says that, you know, you're saved by grace and not by works that no man can boast. And that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus and that he has prepared in advance good works for you to do. It's this beautiful picture of you're saved by grace. And you know what? You are his workmanship. He's got stuff for you. How do you find that stuff? You seek him. You say, you lead me in the things that you've designed me to do. And I have found in my life that most of those things are just 
I was created for it. And I'm like, oh, look at you. It's like you made me for this. He's like, well, he's a planner. He's a planner. The third thing about, you know, in this concept of that we may know the hope to which he's called us is that we live knowing that we're part of a larger plan and purpose. We realize that if he has eternity for us and he has prepared this inheritance, Scripture says that it will never spoil or fade. He's prepared this for us, that we are part of something much greater that God is doing. And as we serve him, as we follow him, and as we know him, he's doing this higher calculus, this higher math, and he's bringing everything together for the good of those who know him and are called according to his purpose. That he's got a good plan, and he's going to work it out. In the mess of it all, he's going to work out his good will. Amen? So, so far what we've talked about is that Paul says, I pray that you will have the Holy Spirit that you might know him better, that you might know the inheritance that he has for you. And third, Ephesians 1.19, we'll read that part again. And his incomparably great power. Do you think Paul is trying to make a point? The incomparably great power for us who believe. That, By the way, that root word for believe, it's the same word used in scripture for faith. Same word that's used for trust. They're interchangeable. That power is the same as his mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Are you all following this? The power that he wants working in your life is the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Do you all need any more than that? I don't need any more than that. That's good. I mean, the greatest, the greatest miracle, the greatest thing is the resurrection of the dead. And it's been seen with Jesus, right? Jesus raised the dead before it happened, and he was raised from the dead. If that power is working in you, you've got what you need. And what he's saying is, I pray that you would have the revelation of the Holy Spirit to know this incomparably great power for those who believe. And I don't know about y'all, but while I have seen the Lord work through my life, seen him work through my life. There is more to see if that's the measure. Did y'all catch that this morning? Y'all, God is not calling us to get through life. Listen to this scripture a little bit more. He, it's the same as his mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in this present age and in the age to come. That does not sound like getting by. That doesn't sound like, we made it. We endured Now, don't get me wrong, we have times of endurance. But what Paul is saying is, I want you to know him. I want you to know this amazing inheritance that you have. And I want you to know, I want you to experience, I want you to walk in this authority, this power of the Holy Spirit. It says later on in the same book of Ephesians that God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Y'all, us seated with Christ I'm like, I'm just going to put my face on the floor. What do you mean seated with Christ? 
But you see, there's this desire of the Lord to reveal himself to humanity. The reason that he wants his incomparably great power to be working in your life is because he is still reaching people. It's not so you can just feel better about yourself. But there are people that he wants to reach. And we see this pattern with the Lord Jesus when he was walking with his disciples. He would send out the 72. He would give them authority to do amazing works and preach the kingdom. He sent out the 12. And in Luke chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 it says, When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. Now that makes some of us nervous, but you just need to get over it. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then you fast forward to Ephesians. I pray that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you may know the incomparably great power for those who believe. Now... You gotta, we have to get over the power thing. The reality is there are people in the world who abuse power, who misuse power, who use it to prop themselves up and all of that. We're not talking about all of that. You know how Jesus came into power? He laid his life down. And he was given the name above all names. His desire for the power of the Holy Spirit to be working in us is motivated. The engine of that is his love for other people. So how does that how does that affect us practically? Practically the way it affects us is when we see people in need and we see things going on around us, our lean is God, what would you do in this circumstance? I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to pray for those whose relationships have been broken down. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to act as an agent of the Lord. And you know what's great is the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and even give you the words to say because it's this empowerment of the Holy Spirit working inside of you, revealing and giving you the here's what to do in this circumstance. But you see... It, a lot of times people separate. They don't mean to. They separate power of the Holy Spirit from knowing him. They separate power of the Holy Spirit from knowing the love of God. And you know how they work? They work together. It's his love that motivates his power. Sometimes we can, in the in Christendom, we can get so fixated on the power and I want to see a miracle and I want to see what God does. And we can miss the point that it's to point people to him that they might know him. Funny thing is, I think when we get to heaven, I don't think there's going to be a lot of miracles. I'm not expecting it because I don't think we're going to need a lot of them. Well, who we're, it's going to be who we have, which is him, the Lord. But in a broken earth, in a society where there's real darkness really warring against people's soul, by golly, God's got some power. And he wants to exert it. And he's, some for some reason, wants to exert it in us and through us. I want you to know this morning that the Lord has authority 
that he wants to put in your life to do the will of his kingdom. Again, it's not to make you feel amazing about yourself. It's not to prop up your ego. It's not so that you can exert authority and use it for other means. It's to serve people and to love people. Jesus was hanging on the cross. He said, if you get yourself down from there, then we'll believe. They don't realize that if he got himself down from there, that he wouldn't pay for their sins. It says that if Jesus wanted to, he could have called a legion of angels to come and help him. He was, he was led like a lamb before the slaughter, and yet he could have wiped them all out. Does that show you the heart of Christ and how he used his power and authority? He used it to save people, not to wipe them all out. And he's given us, it says in Romans, he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. The reality is God is a judge and he will judge all things at the end of time. And he has the authority and he will do that. And he has done everything uh, to allow a way for people to come back to him through Jesus Christ. He's done all of that. When it comes to our pay grade and who we are, our role is not to be the judge of the universe. Thank the Lord. And I say this humbly before you. For some of us who we get angry about everything and we want to take justice out and like really we want to like make people pay, maybe you should let the Lord do that. Maybe that's not something that you actually want to own and carry. Let the Lord fight the battle. I don't mean don't stand up for right. I'm not saying that. I see sometimes we take it and we're the one. And God, he's, he's got that. It says in Scripture that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, that God is reconciling himself to man. You know what's great? He didn't give us just a great message that saves souls and that brings people to him. He's given us power and authority, but he doesn't want it to be divorced to the fact that we might know him better. There's this beautiful synthesis that happens that we might know him and that we might exert his power. You know, it's a lot of fun is when you're in a situation, you go, I know God wants to do something in this situation. I know he's, you know why? Because I know him and I know his heart and I know what he wants. And so, Lord, give me the words to speak after you. Give me the words to say in your authority and your grace. And let's see God do something really great here. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up.